Airbnb is up in arms in Scotland under new regulations they are seething. I'm Simon Constable. This is Constable Confidential, and we go now to near Glasgow on the edge of Loch Lomond, the very famous loch in Scotland, to Fiona Campbell, who is the CEO of the Association of Scotland's Self-Caterers. Thank you so much for joining us, your debut on Constable Confidential. Good morning. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Explain what's going on. I know there's there's a, a lot of seething on, on both sides of this, but uh, it's no longer an easy thing to let out your bedroom to anyone you want to in Scotland. What's the law? Seething is a really good word for it, actually. The Scottish government has introduced short-term let licensing and indeed planning regulations for the short-term let sector. Now, a lot of people associate that with Airbnb. Airbnb, we've got to remember, is a marketing platform that lots of different people use, whether they have an upturned boat or a caravan in a tree, there is one in Aberdeenshire, or their own house, or a a traditional bed and breakfast or self-catering unit, holiday home, two of which I've been running for 21 years. So I am a self-caterer. I am now known as a short-term let, and I use Airbnb as a route to market. So the Scottish government, in their infinite wisdom, has decided that our sector needs regulating. Their public messaging is that it is to ensure basic health and safety. However, that is disingenuous because all of the basic health and safety legislation already stands. As a sector, we already have to comply with it, whether we rent out a room or a holiday let, or a bed and breakfast. It's already there, nothing's changed. So at no point were we ever concerned about the basic health and safety of this legislation. That is not the danger, because we already comply with it. And we absolutely support it. Of course, every guest must, of course, be safe. The difficulty is that the Scottish government's objectives concerning this legislation are incredibly woolly. In fact, there was a there was a debate in Parliament on the 13th of September, and it became abundantly clear that not one, in fact, one MSP actually understood the objectives of this legislation, because what they've done is they've conflated various issues. So there's the basic health and safety. Fine. We've been calling that for that for years. Then there's the housing crisis. The housing crisis, and, and let me explain. There is a there's a huge housing price in Scotland. Um, the housing crisis in Scotland, and part of that is, is getting planning permission, even to paint your front door, is is near on impossible, and it it is very frustrating. Having been through that process, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. But it it's a sort of in in opposition to the fact that there aren't enough homes for the people that live in Scotland. The frustrating thing is that there are five times more empty homes in Scotland than there are self-catering units. Let me use Edinburgh as an example. Everybody kind of identifies with Edinburgh. There are currently 1,811 self-catering units on non-domestic rates in Edinburgh. Those are... And and let me explain what rates are. Rates are basically the the, the tax the government receives from the owner of the property depending depending on what yeah depending on what the business situation is whether it's a home or or whether it's actually a commercial business yeah so imagine those 1811 are all 
commercial entities that are open to the public legitimate businesses that offer self-catering units to whether it's a tourist or whether it's a business traveler or whether it's somebody visiting a relative in hospital there are all sorts of reasons why people need and want to use short-term lets over for example hotels so 1811 currently there were 1201 in 2010 in other words no exponential growth they constantly use the figure of 12,000 short-term lets in Edinburgh. We've just completely disputed that because only 3,500 people have applied for a license in Edinburgh. So the big question is, did they get their figures wrong in the first place? Almost certainly. Have people applied because they can't get planning permission? Or are people going underground? As in, sorry, have people sold their properties? Now, if people do sell their properties, the very high likelihood is they will not help the affordable housing crisis. They will not ameliorate the housing crisis in any way at all. But the other danger is that a lot of people that are sell- uh, that are stopping self-catering are leaving them lying empty. So it's exacerbating the second home problem. And second homes and self-catering units can't be, can't be confused. A second home is wonderful for the person that owns it, but totally useless for the economy and the community around it. Self-catering unit obviously brings visitors in and allows them to spend in the local economy. Brilliant. It, you know, employs people, it employs cleaners, all those other ancillary staff. So all of that's happening. So and then the third thing is, of course, antisocial behavior, which, again, is a problem all over the world. That is a a problem all over the world. And according and I think what you want to say was according to the government that that's unacceptable in Edinburgh. What I know about Edinburgh is it's a very twitchy curtain place, and uh, no, don't do that. A, that should be the, uh, the the motto of Edinburgh, Edinburgh City. Uh, that that's the way things are. are. One thing I I also know is that certain certain classes in Scotland are very snooty about things, and the idea of if there was an extra tax on having a second home, an an increased tax on having a second home, people would actually be more inclined to buy a second home because they want to be seen to be extra posh. Now, I don't know if you would do... That's coming our way literally right now. They've just completed a consultation. They're talking about increasing that additional tax by two or three times. Yes, and I, I would think, and I don't know if you agree, that a lot of the people that I I knew in Edinburgh would probably be wanting in that if they didn't have a second home, they would probably want to have a second home <laughs> if there was an extra tax just to show off. Anyway, do do go on. So, getting this license costs several thousand pounds, in my my understanding, and at this, and and that's and also been a very difficult thing to get hold of the license to let out your property and a lot of that's been happening in edinburgh and there have been the council meetings where people have been saying okay well we're worried about the noise and then it's been quickly killed the application has been killed it's been pushed aside now what's that going to do to the edinburgh festival which is it ranks just after the world cup and the olympics in terms of a major festival worldwide how is the edinburgh festival going to survive when most people who go to it have used Airbnbs in the past. The impact on the festival simply hasn't been assessed. That's the bottom line. The The business regulatory impact assessment that the Scottish government did when they delivered this legislation simply hasn't taken account for the Edinburgh Festival. 
Um, I mean, let me give let me give some statistics here that I know about. Uh, Edinburgh is a city of four hundred and fifty thousand people. So t- take that by divide by by three, and you probably get the number of homes there. Now, as far as I understand, about half a million people go to visit the Edinburgh Festival in August. It, it runs for three and a half weeks in August every year, and it has done for a very long time with with one interruption, which was the COVID pandemic. So how is that going to work if there are no Airbnb lets or very few or a minimum amount? How are people going to stay in Edinburgh? It's going to be incredibly challenging. Now, obviously, there is home sharing, which is when you as a homeowner welcome somebody into your home. But if you are, for example, a member of a production team, you want to be in a property, in a unit with your Um, colleagues during those three and a half, four weeks, and some stay a lot longer in order to prepare for the festival. Now, you're simply not, if there isn't the supply, which is what is absolutely going to happen, if there's no supply, then where are they going to stay? They simply aren't going to be able to afford to stay in a hotel for over a month. The concern from people that actually participate in the festival, so comedians and the like, are saying that this is going to become a completely upper class event that you can only go to if you can afford to stay there. Now there was a there was a there was a news report earlier in in the year and it came out in May when people started to book for the for the August thing saying there was the the, the rent for a month in Edinburgh the highest rent was $42,000 equivalent which which is which is actually more than most people in Scotland earn in a year. That is an incredible mm-hmm. amount of money for one month of residence. It's, it's, it's bananas. But if you start messing with the demand, the supply, then the demand increases and naturally prices increase. The, the hotel industry is rubbing its hands in glee. You know, if you look at the hotel prices in Edinburgh right now, they are astronomical and climbing fast. Now, they will say that the good news is that 20,000 of new bed spaces are going to be delivered by 2026. Well, isn't that lovely? But what they're doing is they're actually removing indigenous legitimate livelihoods from small independent business operators, which I don't think is okay. So what it looks like at the moment is there's a a support for large international hotel developments and international apart hotel service departments. But for the small operator that has been operating for decades with no problems, adhering to all the health and safety um, standards and not taking away people's housing and not impacting on the housing crisis, it feels incredibly unjust. Um, And there are all sorts of issues around competition law. Is it okay to give planning permission to a service department block when you're taking away planning permission from somebody that's been operating for any number of years. And and does the government seem to care about that? Because they have stated goals and then do things that are are bound to work against those stated goals. I've seen that having having covered what's been going on in Scotland for a little while. Have, Have you seen that? I, th- I think there's I think there's a there's a, a vague policy objective which, as I've said, is very cloudy. Um, if you don't know what your policy objective is, if you don't know what the problem is, you are never going to deliver a, a, a robust, viable, proportionate, targeted solution. And that is what we're finding now. They haven't thought if we do X, what are the repercussions and why? There's a kind of knee-jerk reaction. It's happening throughout the world that shutting down short-term lets is going to suddenly cure all of society's ills 
and 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 solve the housing crisis. It will not. And to continue saying that is actually going to leave a lot of people very disappointed on the other side, because what we're seeing is more second homes, more expensive holidays, because for the fewer people that are able to get planning and a license, they will put their prices up. So the bottom line is that this will affect everybody holidaying in Scotland. And reputation, I think that's absolutely devastating. And it's certainly not best practice. If we look at places around the world, we look astonishingly stupid right now because we haven't actually thought about what the problem is and what a viable solution is. It's just a message that we've done something about the housing crisis. As I say, going back to the basic health and safety, it's a moot point. That legislation already exists in 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 drafts and, and going and, back and, to your and, point and, about the cost okay. just going back to your point about the cost what they've done is that they've given the powers to every single local authority so 32 local authorities if you imagine the scottish government has given all the local authorities 32 a margarita pizza and they've said put your own toppings on the top of the pizza so some of them have left them as margarita for example shetland and it costs 205 pounds for a license Beh, fine not not a problem. Three years, absolutely not a problem. Some of them have added a bit of pepperoni for a bit of spice, added a bit of planning into the legislation, you know, just you had a bit of fun with it. And then some places like Edinburgh and Glasgow have added tuna and pineapple and arsenic on top. For example, in Edinburgh, it costs £5,968 to assess exactly the same criteria as the 205 in Shetland, and the eighty-six pounds for a private landlord, exactly the same health and safety. And, Where- and also, so I mean, that's that's making it prohibitive for some people. I know plenty of people who would let their home out or rooms in their home out during August, and that will be enough to cover the mortgage for the rest of the year. They will no longer have that without forking out an incredible amount of money that they probably don't have. There's something else going on that is related to this which is not quite in in the field that you are in. But rent control has been introduced across Scotland. Now, having lived in America, there are two places that have rent control that are notable, and that is San Francisco and New York City. And New York City has got around that by building new buildings uh, and just putting them up and, and growing them upwards towards the sky, which we have a lot more space than moving outwards. And, and San Francisco hasn't really done anything. And this policy has never worked anywhere on the surface of the earth, anywhere. And yet it's been introduced. Is that going to just exacerbate this problem? Because I do I do know that in, in, the, in the 1970s in New York, you had a situation where inflation had put costs up for a lot of landlords, but rent control wouldn't allow them to increase their prices. So spontaneously, and I'm sure this was completely uh, random, not, <clears throat> a lot of those buildings, when they'd been repossessed by the city, started to burn down. They just would suddenly basically burn burn to the ground. So you've, you've seen the movie The Bronx is Burning. The Bronx is Burning is a reference to all those buildings being burnt down. And when they were burnt down, of course, a new one could be put up, which wasn't under rent control because the the the, the old rent controls were grandfathered in. 
Is that what we're looking at? Is that the future of Scotland? Is that a future of the two big cities, which are Edinburgh and Glasgow? Is that what's going to happen? Is we're going to see rent control and then buildings get repossessed by the government because taxes aren't paid and then they get burned down? I hope not. I mean, that's just a horrific vision. Um, We are absolutely seeing rent controls biting. And in Scotland right now, um, inflation is out of control and mortgages and utility costs are out of control. It's a very difficult place to have any kind of property, whether it's long-term rent or short-term rent. And just to explain to people who might might not know, uh, almost all mortgages in the UK have a flexible point to them. So unlike in America, where it's mostly fixed mortgages, mortgages go up basically every time the Bank of England changes the, the base rate, and it does, and it has been doing that quite aggressively, in fact, more aggressively than the US. So it's actually... It's, Usually it's, aggressively. And it's very painful to carry on. Yeah, I mean, it, it is genuinely painful. Mortgages have doubled or quadrupled for some. It is absolutely astronomical. So for long-term rental, so private residential tenant, um, so landlords, inflation, cost of utilities, your mortgage is going through the roof, all of those additional costs plus a rent control. So people are just not doing it. So at one point, this came in, um, private residential tenancies came in in 2016, and we saw a shift towards short-term lets. Now they're trying to readdress that shift, but it's not working because nobody's going to rent their place out long-term under the current circumstances. They're just not going to do it. So, so that it, decreases the amount of available living spaces that anyone. exist. For anyone. Right. Yeah, for anyone, for, right? For, for, for visitors or business visitors or for or for Scottish residents or people wanting to migrate to Edinburgh. You know, the, the population in Edinburgh has increased exponentially in the last few years, and yet housing has not been built to fit that. So actually one of the primary things that needs to happen is they need to build more houses. You know, it's not rocket science, to be perfectly honest. And unfortunately, house building simply has not met population increase or demographic changes. So many more people now live on their own than they did 20 years ago. There's all of these kind of demographic changes that we have tracked. So therefore, you would think that a government would look at these things proactively rather than right now, Edinburgh has just announced a housing crisis. Okay, it's been a housing crisis for a couple of decades So why now have they announced this housing crisis? Why can't we look at actually how to deliver a holistic approach to housing, whether you're in Edinburgh or indeed on one of the islands or in a totally rural area? One of the things I would ask is, are they going to follow the Keir Starmer route, which he's promising to follow in in England and Wales, which is to get more land to the builders so that more properties can be built for people? Because there is also a housing crisis in England, and it seems that that's a very uh, a very good approach because when you have more houses, then demand supply dictates that the the prices will eventually become more affordable. Is Scotland doing anything like that? They're not doing anything like that. But the problem fundamentally in the current economic climate, unfortunately, is that even if people have got the land, we've seen two places in Edinburgh, two big developments in Edinburgh just stop because of the economic climate, because of inflation, because of the cost of building, etc. So 
everything's being hampered by this landscape that we're in right now. The other thing is in in certain areas, so for example, Edinburgh, I'm not having a go at Edinburgh, but um, they are spending an awful lot of investment in building student accommodation. So there are about 44,000 students in Edinburgh just now, which is lovely and essential. Edinburgh is an incredible educational city. But they're doing that, but not housing their own residents, those that need them. You know, there's a homeless problem. We need to address that. I remember going to a parliamentary reception. Oh, well, this is the Scottish Parliament you're talking the about. The Scottish Parliament, yeah. Back in 2018. And I was speaking to one of the MSPs or councillors, Edinburgh Council. And he said, I said, what are you going to do with all of these properties that are closed down when eventually short-term let licensing comes in? And he said, well, we got a homeless problem. And I kind of had to giggle. I was like, right, okay. So somebody's got a high-end five-star really amazing property apartment on the Royal Mile. You are asking them to let homeless people stay in that or you're going to buy it and let the homeless people stay? Like, how does that work? And he looked at me straight and he said, I hadn't thought of it like that. So it's high time you did. You know, this knee-jerk concept that's shutting down Airbnbs, Airbnb, I mean, there are other platforms out there. Airbnb is not a thing. They don't own the properties. Indigenous Scottish people own the properties. What we do with those properties is surely up to us. What the government and the local authorities need to do is build more houses and address their housing needs. It's not up to us as personal owners of property to house the entire population. Unfortunately, that is not incumbent on us. So whilst they see this as a knee-jerk reaction solution to a problem, it is not going to be. Only 15% of their anticipated numbers have got a license so far. And the problem with the Edinburgh Fifth Festival, going back to the Edinburgh Festival, is that Property owners are now waiting to see if they're allowed to continue doing what they've been doing for decades. So they can't take any bookings for the festival. So the well, festival is, is in peril. This this is this is fascinating, and it looks like government's at work again. I'm not going to name which government, but I think we're very clear who it is. Thank you very much, Fiona Campbell. She's the CEO of the Association of Scotland's Self Caterers, and she right by Loch Lomond, which is near Glasgow, a very beautiful place. We really appreciate your time. I'm Simon Constable. This is Constable Confidential, and that's it.